0: Hello everybody, welcome back to Goldbridge Saves Football. We've got a cracking show for you today. We're gonna be talking Liverpool. Are they title favourites? Signing of the season. I think this is gonna get heated, and you can be involved because we've got a poll on Spotify for you to vote for on that. Is financial fair play ruining the transfer window? I say ye, yes, with an S on the end of ye. Yes, I think it is. There's also what I'm gonna call now a new VAR section. I don't think it should even be you know, part of the show. It's just going to be a VAR section. Pratt of the week. We've got a new contender who I'm amazed it's his first week in Pratt of the week. Um, And obviously either or Goldbridge and loads more. And of course, the great, I nearly said the great late Will Brazier. He's very much still with us. Will, how are you doing?
1: Yes. Yeah. You killed me off a couple of weeks ago, but thanks to the power of AI, my voice has been taken and will live on this podcast forever. I am speaking from underneath the soil, but it's great to be here, Mark. It he must. I mean, look, we'll do Goldbridge on Friday, but bloody hell, he had uh, Allison
0: for a clean sheet, Nunez, and did you have, who else did you have?
1: All I'll it, say I mean. is just hold your horses and just wait till Pratt of the week because I've got a little surprise for you. Oh well, you, the Pratt of the week this week is, I reckon, it's going to be Neville.
0: Oh, I've given a bit of a spoiler there, but uh, anyway, um, no, there are some strong contenders. Gary might get saved this week, but uh, I actually want to start with signing of the season. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull rank here and say we're gonna talk about the Premier League. We're gonna talk about FFP. We're gonna talk about uh, quite a good, got a section on um, on uh, on the Beatles as well, which we haven't. But um, I wanted I this. This to me is really, really interesting. So signing of the season so far. I'm sure the comments are going to be full of this, but I've actually got a top three. Um, if I said to sure. you, William, what would be your signing of the season? Do you have a standout one or do you have actually some contenders?
1: Well, when you always put, pose these questions to me, I sort of instantly go on gut feeling. So my initial ones were down were Alexis McAllister, Declan Rice um, and then Ross Bartley to Luton. Those were my initial three of my gut.
0: <sighs> I tell you what, you're the sort of person that when you goes to a buffet, you see the profiteroles, yeah, you see the banoffee pie, And then you go and take a standard digestive just to be nice. Just because it's there. Because Ross Barkley, let's be honest, that's just too niche. Even the hipsters will will be slating you for that. Uh, There's no way Ross Barkley is the signing of the season. I'm sorry. Uh, I I just don't agree. Maybe I've misread the room here. Maybe the chats, people are listening going, you know, there's people like shouting in Sainsbury's. You know, they've been walking around, listening to the podcast. They're in the biscuit aisle. And uh, I've just said no Barkley and they've just picked up some some of those digestives and stamped on them and said, I can't believe it. But uh, no, my contenders, I'm surprised you've not put Declan Rice in there.
1: I did. I literally just said Declan Rice.
0: Oh, that shows how much I listen to you. Um, yeah, exactly. And I told you it was AI. So, yeah, you've, well, you've gone with Rice, McAllister and Barkley. I love your Alexi McAllister one, by the way, because I thought I was going to put him in and get the credit in the clip because uh I can still do it I can still I can still you make it work. Your
1: podcast.
0: Yeah, Alexi McAllister for me is one of the signings of the season. Um and not just because he played well against Bournemouth at the weekend. I think he's been underrated, underappreciated all season. There's something about that revolutionary Liverpool midfield that uh, the mainstream and many fans seem to want to ignore. It's absolutely incredible what Klopp has built there and I think Alexi McAllister has been the ax- axis McAllister I call him because he's been the the pivot, he's been the he's been the fulcrum. He's been the engine of that uh, midfield. I think he's been a, a fantastic signing. Uh, Declan Rice, I'd, I would agree. Uh, I know the price tag there is massive, but uh, I think he has been... Arsenal are a bit underappreciated as well. I mean, they're, they're, they're right up there and people are sort of like, oh, Arsenal. I mean, like they're a team that fights for titles over the last 10 years. And then um, Vicario at Spurs. I think he's a good shout, Will. Um, yeah, yeah. uh, nobody knew who he was. He's a bit like Man United's new CEO. No one knew who he was before... He came in and uh, no one knew who Vicario was. And, uh, I mean, he's not as good as Alisson, but he's pushing him. And that, that to me, is uh, that, that, that's a real uh, real uh, sign of a good goalkeeper. He's consistent as well.
1: Yeah, I also think if we're talking about Liverpool's midfield, you can't go far on the Dominic Sabozli sort of part of that revolution that you talked about in that midfield three. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. Mm-hmm. But with those, they've had really good um, price tags on as well, which, you know, with the state of spending in the Premier League, I think you've got to look at that and be, you know, draw that into the equation where some some teams, to be fair, going through the list in the summer, there's not, I mean, Declan Rice, because of his talent and a bit of English tax, but there's nothing where you'd go, maybe I'm just immune to it now. There's nothing too, like James Madison at £40 million, pounds, that's got to be up there as well, injuries permitting. Well, I, that's what I was going to say. I mean,
0: look, I, I'm a Man United fan, so I don't actually enjoy being complimentary towards Liverpool. But uh, I, ha- you know, this is you're giving me an opportunity here. I'm, I've been very complimentary about, and I've got to say, I was on the midfield of Liverpool in August. You know, it's it's January now, so yeah, if you're getting but don't on the be midfield, one of them. You but don't if you're to getting on the that. midfield, no, I'm not. I'm not. I don't like a told you so. But um, you I never did. told you so. I, I did. I did get on that uh, that early, and. Uh, I have to laugh at. Uh, I'm not going to name them because it just gives them credit. But they were talking about it the other day on telly, and uh, I was like, "Oh God, you could, you, you should have learnt this five months ago." But look, Sabozlai has been good. But I'd put, you know, he's had a little bit of dips. He's injured at the moment. I'd, I'd actually put Madison ahead of Bozley, um as a contender for signing of the season. So I think we're agreed on Declan Rice, and I think we're agreed on um, on Alexi McAllister. And I think Vicario has to be a consideration. But I have one other to throw in there. And I'm sure Chelsea fans are going mad. Cole Palmer. I mean, you look at what he's done at Chelsea. The price tag was was hefty. But I think what he's delivered in that Chelsea side, I think it would be remiss, almost criminal, not to put Cole Palmer in there.
1: Well, I'll throw your shocking uh, inclusion and I'll double down on that. I'm a bit of a... Out of the top six perver, as you well know so i really think and i'm surprised that the teams further up didn't go after him maybe even a newcastle but james ward prowse to west ham at 30 million just absolutely oh. fits yeah. yeah you know set pieces which they they can load up on and they've been benefiting from but I, th- I think his talent as a midfielder just in play as well was sort of one of those ones that I'm a Gareth Southgate car washer. We all know that, and but Ward Prowse should definitely be going to the Euros with his performance last season, this season, and thirty million pounds. He's got to be in there for me. I tell you what, it's like me when I'm uh, I'm sat, in, sat at a funeral
0: and I've put my cars car keys in my back pocket. I'm just not comfortable, but I can't. You know what? What can I do? I feel like this. If, if Calvin Phillips goes for West Ham, we're gonna have this ridiculous situation where. Southgate will take Phillips to the to the Euros when he's playing in the midfield where Ward-Prowse is better than him. It's um no I think Ward-Prowse is a great shout as well. He he has been great and it's always nice to give something to the you know, to charity because he is outside the top 6 just about. But no, Ward-Prowse has been fantastic. I'm not I'm not I'm not having Barkley though. So look, who are you going to give it to? We we've given a few contenders there, but we're not doing top we can do top 3, but you've got to have a top you've got if you want to do top 3 that's fine, but you've got to have a one. You've got to have a top one.
1: Don't you think you look a bit like you could be James Ward Prowse's dad? I've just got a picture up in front of him, and you've actually got very similar haircuts.
0: I mean, James Ward—I'm not that old. I could be his older
1: brother. I can't be his James bloody Ward-Prowse. dad. He's about thirty something himself. James Ward Prowse is twenty-nine years old. How are you? Old are you? again? Oh right, so I'm definitely not his dad. Otherwise, how old are you again? His mum's getting locked up. Although I suppose <laughs> actually, um, look, let's put it that I'd be my merely teens. Okay. Um, I'd like to throw James Ward-Prowse in there just to sort of get out of that top six. Um, you know, I was going to say Thomas Kaminsky as well, the Luton keeper, but I know you'd shout. So I think I'll stick with James Ward-Prowse put in mind forward, but it is your podcast, so you you decide. Ward-Prowse is your number one? No, not my number one. That's just my top three. I think uh, McAllister for price and performance is my number one. Then I'll go Declan Rice. Um, I would probably go Madison at number three, but just because of the injuries... Um, I'm going to stick with Ward-Prowse at number three. I mean, on some of the articles I've read here, we've got Jeremy Doku in at number four. I, don't, I think that's a bit over the top. You know what,
0: Will? That's like me doing a foreign password. That, like, so, so what's your top three? You've got Ward-Prowse here, now Madison, <laughs> or no, no, oh, McAllister here. I can't, I can't, no, I don't know what you're on about.
1: Number one, Alexis McAllister.
0: That's because you went number two. one first. Who does that? Oh, hello, it's top Nobody of the pops for Will Brees. It's top of the props with Will Brazier. In at number one, we've got take that. And what we're doing in the last five minutes of so just whoever's at number ten. Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll stay yeah. to the end.
1: Yeah. You'll never guess who's in at number twenty-nine. No, right. Yeah. Number three is James Ward-Prowse. Number two, Declan Rice, and you'll never guess who's got top spot. It's Alexis McAllister. I think you're just doing that
0: to try and win the Liverpool market because you know you've said stuff Says bad you. about them in the past.
1: Yeah, I'm I am consistent. text off my mate who's a Liverpool fan the other day. He said, do you want me to buy Mark a Liverpool shirt? Because I actually think he supports us now.
0: You know what that is? That's just brilliant punditry. Because I actually can cut through my disdain for Liverpool and just see it for what it is. It is impressive. We're going to talk about Liverpool in a minute. But I'm not going to go down that road. Alexi McAllister is Will's signing of the season. I respect it. I think Alex- Alexi McAllister is a real low-key pick and, and and I do respect it, but my top three is going to be, uh, okay, I'm going to go Vicario, number three. I'm going to go Cole Palmer, number two. And I'm going to go uh, Declan Rice, number one. Wow. He's nearly falling off his chair. I, I like They've Alexi McAllister. I do like Alexi McAllister, but I feel that you've took the pleasure of me saying that in my top three now. So I'm going to give that to you. Um, Cole Palmer... I don't, you know, I don't agree with him being in teams of the season and stuff, but as a signing, I think in a crap Chelsea side, as a young lad, I think he's done absolutely incredible. And Declan Rice, to me, at Arsenal, to go from West Ham to Arsenal and be running that midfield, um, when you think of some of the great players that Arsenal have had playing in that midfield, like um, Vieira and, uh, I can't think of any others, but, uh, you know, Silva. yeah, there's loads, there's loads. I was trying to think of someone crap for a bit of banter, but... uh, you know, I couldn't... There was too many to think of. Jermaine but, Pennant. Uh, yeah. But no, I think I think Declan Rice has has done... And also, it's hard when you're a centre-defensive midfielder, isn't it, to get the glamour. And I think he has been...
1: Yeah.
0: I, th- I think that trio of um, Gabriel and Saliba and Rice is, the funda- is basically the, the foundation of why Arsenal have done well this year. I know they won 5-0 at the weekend, but yeah. So there you go. Get in the comments. Let us know. We've got a poll for you to vote anyway, but you can also give us your top three in the comments uh, as per usual there.
1: Just on Cole Palmer, obviously, we were speaking about Calvin Phillips and the sort of um, debacle around James Ward Prowse. I mean, surely Cole, Cole, Cole Palmer is a cert for the England squad in Germany, surely.
0: Yeah, 100% definitely. It's interesting, actually, because we've got a link to an article on goal.com, haven't we? Where they've they've ranked the top three. Yeah, yeah. Now, we're, we're better than them, but uh, it just, to, just to. They've got Mickey Mandavan at five. They've got uh, Jeremy Doku at four, ahead of people like Ward Prowse and Pedro Porro. Pedro Porro wasn't the summer. He's he's already. But they have got Vicario at three. They've got Madison at two, and they've got Declan Rice at one. So, yeah, don't really have a massive problem with that, apart from Doku at number four. I think that's incredible.
1: You want to scroll up the article, mate? That's where the real meat is. You've got Ross Barkley and Thomas Kaminsky in there. Yeah, but not I had a docu not not
0: for me, not for me. Anyway, should we uh, let, should we get a bit topical there? I enjoy I liked that. I knew that would be a good chat but um, we're going to talk about the Premier League at the weekend. A reduced Premier League. as I said last week, will I think it's it's good in a way because you do I know I can't wait for the Premier League to come back midweek next week after the FA Cup weekend. but the funny thing about five games is you do consume the game more. Like You do. like You really analyse each game. I know we've not had the Brighton-Wolves game. We don't know the result of that. But uh, even the Sheffield United-West Ham game, I was more involved in that than I ever would have been. I'm like, oh my God, could have been another penalty. Why is that a foul? Why is that not a handball? But uh, impressive weekend for Liverpool and Arsenal, I think, is the headline in the title race. Both winning to nil by a lot of goals.
1: Yeah, well, the weekend was a bit like a sort of episode of Monday Night Raw. you got all your different segments and each of them had their own storyline, didn't they? So Arsenal Mm. obviously gunning for the title, which they managed to do and and do it convincingly. Can I just... just, 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 just. I've got to interject
0: here. Not everyone will know that Monday Night Raw is wrestling, which is what Will is talking about. Some people will be thinking it's something that Will gets up to on a Monday night (laughs) with his missus in a domineering role. It's definitely not that. And the segments don't involve whips and chains and stuff. He's talking about wrestling, which sometimes does involve weapons.
1: Yeah, I mean, back in the day, it definitely did. Um, Yeah, sorry, I'm about wrestling. So then the storyline, West Ham, Sheffield United, obviously trying to get off the bottom, which all that drama in the last 10 minutes, that's worth the podcast. And then going into Sunday, the games are there. And then, uh, look, we're even excited for Brighton versus Wolves, which is maybe a bit of a hipster derby on Monday nights. But yeah. Great to see Arsenal putting in a performance like that. I think they needed that with the results going over. And then Liverpool, so impressive. I think for me, like you go into that game against Bournemouth, I think we spoke for the Friday preview about Bournemouth putting a bit of pressure on, but then no Salah, no Trent, no Robertson, and changing it around at half-time, commandeering performance, 4-0, five points clear. Thank you very much.
0: No Endo, no Sabozlai, no Matip. Yeah, it was impressive, and... um... I think with, just before we talk about Liverpool and are Liverpool now favourites for the league, so get ready for that, Will. But I think with Arsenal as well, shout out to them. Obviously losing to Fulham and West Ham in their last two Premier League games put a lot of, you know, the Arteta out, stuff started again. Just, I don't even support Arsenal and I find there, and I've got every right to say this, and I know those people take a pop at me, I don't really care who are they, but the reality is I look at Arsenal fans sometimes and I just think they almost embrace the moan They embrace the drama and you look at it from the outside and I'm loving the Premier League title race and Arsenal are very much in it. I think what happened to Arsenal is small squad. You know, Declan Rice gets injured. What's that midfield going to be? I think it's imbalanced anyway. Same with Saka. Small squad playing in the Champions League for the first time in a few years, trying to stay in the top, which they did. They hit Christmas. They're knackered. They're absolutely knackered. And You could see that the fatigue was gone. And I felt, Will, that this little mini break of two weeks, and they've got another mini break now because they're not in the FA Cup. You could see, I mean, Gabriel uh, absolutely epitomised it, that the energy from those set pieces and Arsenal looked a lot better for it. I still think they lack a cutting edge when you think about the goals 5-0 Palace fell away in the last 15 minutes and the first two goals were both from set pieces. But, you know, credit to Arsenal. I still just think, as I said last week, if you could find a little bit of money to go and buy a striker, I don't think Nketi is up to it and I don't think Hazes is up to it. But around that, I think that's the next step for Arsenal. I think it will prevent them winning the league. But uh, they, look, they look better after a rest.
1: Yeah, I think having the rest has done them a world of good. I think the worrying thing is when the Champions League schedule starts again and it's going to go back to mm. that Saturday... Wednesday, Sunday, Tuesday or whatever it is, sort of uh calendar, then how does that mean they sort of go back maybe to the ways of December? Hopefully not, because like we said, we won a three horse, four horse race going into it. But yeah, just getting the early goals, wasn't it? And I mean, everyone scoring but the strikers just sort of proved that they are I feel uh, sort of solved the problem. I don't know what you think about
0: this, but I feel like saying it and and look, anybody who's watched my content for any period of time or even just this season on the podcast will know, even as a United fan, I I do like what Arteta's done. There was a lot of people who were Arteta out and I was like, you know, this is a couple of years ago and I was like, I can see what he's doing. You know, it's a bit like United's situation now. You can't just change it in a day he's got to be given 18 months and over those 18 months you've got to see little steps forward and i could see that with arteta i would stay right here right now arsenal won't win the league they can't win the league um i can't be strong in conviction with other teams we're going to discuss like liverpool but with arsenal they can't win the league they can't win the league because they're up against man city and liverpool who have managers who've won it before and they've got bigger squads and i think what arsenal need to do is stay in this title race for as long as they can and in the summer They've got to bring in a top class striker whose sole focus is scoring goals, another midfielder to play with Rice, and they need two fullbacks. And that's I I don't think there's any negativity in saying Arsenal can't win the league, because if they do win the league, it'll be amazing. But I don't see them as title contenders because I don't think Will they've completed the puzzle yet. And I think that's absolutely fine. You know, I still think Arteta is on the journey with that team, and there may be an expectation unrealistic. That they can win the league this year i don't i I put them as third favorites and i don't think they can win it
1: but also it comes after a time of like not having champions league football so the more that they can get top four and sort of be Mm. synonymous with that not just in terms of the financial rewards that that brings but in terms of um in terms of you know players wanting to come back to arsenal because they are a fully established top four team every season very
0: young as well they're a very young team
1: exactly yeah so if you can keep all those pieces in place as you mm. described in the jigsaw, I think I think the it's just it's just not putting too much um, not circumstances. What's the right word? Just not putting too much expectation, um, pre- expectation and pressure on yourself going forward.
0: And that, I think that's the problem. I think the uh, certain certain elements of the Arsenal fan base do put too much pressure on a project that if that was Man United, I'd be quite happy to be patient on it based on the fact that United have been crap for ten years. Well, Liverpool, Arsenal haven't won the title for 20 years. I just think they are on the right path. And maybe at some point they will need to replace Arteta. But you're absolutely correct. If they maintain top three and keep qualifying for the Champions League and after a couple more years Arteta just can't break through, then make a change. But I don't think he's completed the puzzle yet. One man who has completed the puzzle, he's done it blindfolded, is Jurgen Klopp. Um, Absolutely incredible uh, when you think that... They drew at Luton. They drew at home to United. They drew at home to Arsenal. They could have won at least one of those. Obviously the Spurs game and yet they still find themselves clear at the top. I feel that this is a team that's ahead of schedule, Will, which fight, which is quite incredible really because Klopp has won the title before. Van Dijk's won it before. Trent, Salah. But I still see that when you see where Liverpool were last year, and I've mentioned this a few times before, Klopp has similarities to Sir Alex Ferguson. I did a video on YouTube about six years ago about this, and a lot of Liverpool fans didn't like it. But I think he he has, and I think he's doing it. He's re- he's rebuilding a team. He's he's renovating a team. He's kept some elements, but he's he's rebuilding another team. And like Arsenal, this Liverpool team, when you look at the depth everywhere, centre back Kwanzaa, Bradley played the other day how many options he's got in midfield, how many options he's got up front, you know they'll be probably able to add one or two players every summer. I think this Liverpool teams here to stay. It's not a flash in the pan and if they can win the league this year, well, I think they'll be looking to win it next year and and the year after. I don't think they're going anywhere.
1: Well, also, it comes from, obviously, a manager that done, has done well, but even when he's not done well, they've stuck with him. And that gets implemented all the way down the chain in terms of, like, you're under 23s, you're under 19s, mm. you're under 18s. So when these kids are coming through, like the fullback did did, well, I don't know if he's a full fullback, but that the, the young lad, Bradley, that played at the weekend, it's much more comfortable for them to come into these systems because they've been doing it for six, seven years. So you get rewarded for having that patience. And we, we, what Klopp did with the little tactical tweaks against Bournemouth I mean, it was nil-nil at halftime, wasn't it? And and they absolutely yeah, blew yeah. away in the second half. And even the transitions between the front three when Gakpo came on, it was just so exciting to see and all without those key players that we've not mentioned. So I think from the headline for me out the weekend was coming from that game because that was so impressive and, and maybe and hopefully something we look back on and go, that was where they really said, like, we are title contenders.
0: Well, I certainly think Liverpool are more impressive than Man City this year. Tactically, yeah. Uh, you know, Man City are a team that's just won the treble. You you know, yeah. they should be a team that's They're the best team. The world's best, team, best in the, team. The world's best team, exactly. But I think Liverpool have been more impressive. And also, is there a team in the Premier League at the moment with a better pathway to the first team um, than, than you know, in light of what you've just said about the youth there? Yes, Liverpool swerved away from the Bellingham deal. Maybe he was going to go to Real Madrid anyway, but that was intelligent. You know, instead of spending 100 million on Bellingham, you get McAllister, you get Endo, you get Gravenberg, you get Sabozli. They needed quantity. They didn't need one player, they needed quantity. I think if they'd got Bellingham and not got McAllister and not got Sabozlai would they be where they are? I think you'd be very dependent on Bellingham being able to play 60, 70 games. So I think that that was a, was, was a very shrewd move. But I think, yeah, they've bought well, but that I think at Man City they you do see people like Bob and and Foden coming through, but it's not as easy for a Pep Guardiola to put young players into that team as it is for Klopp. There is a path, there is a definitive pathway to get these young players in. And look, Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott. I don't know whether they're both from the youth or whether one was brought in. I, I don't know, but I see them as young players. And you know they're playing in the midfield yesterday. Bradley, we've seen Kwanzaa. Um, there are others coming through I think that he's got the perfect mix of them it reminds me a lot of United under Sir Alex I've said it before
1: well also as well we always speak about Liverpool is like there's almost like tentatively top of the league where they are clear by five points I know Man City have got a game in hand but Manchester City have lost three games because well, mainly the ones with Rodri away I think every time but Liverpool have only lost one game and that one the game was in the defeat against Tottenham Hotspur wasn't it which yeah. we've spoken about to a blue in the face. So I think they are the most impressive side in the Premier League this season and hopefully it continues. And I think that was one of the most impressive performances at the weekend going against an informed Bournemouth and yeah, just absolutely wrecking the joint in the second half. Would you put them as favourites for the league now? No, just because of the back catalogue because mm. of what's to come. And I think, I I almost don't want to put them favourites because I think being the chasing pack, even though they're top, it still feels like they are chasing. So just no, because no. of experience and pep and everything, I'm going, Man City, what about you? hundred percent. I think that, yeah, you know, I don't want, it's a, t- I, you know, you could do an
0: either or and ask me who do you want to win the league if you've got a pick between Liverpool and City and I need more time on that. I can't, compute that at the moment because it's difficult for a United fan to even contemplate that Liverpool would win the title 20 times um, Man City would be winning it four in a row so you know there's there's there's, there's all sorts to consider there but you know taking the United head off um, we want a title race and therefore if you want a title race let's not do what we did to Arsenal last year and say that they're title favourites because they couldn't handle that pressure let's be real yeah. Man City were title favourites last year because they'd won it before and Man City are favourites this year Liverpool are ahead of schedule for me. There's no, I know Liverpool have won the league with Klopp, but there was no real hint that they were going to do what they've done at the end of last season. So I think Liverpool are exceeding. Um, I hope Arsenal can stay in the race. I hope Villa and Spurs can stay in the race. Um, but yeah, Man City are the favourites and they should wear that favourites tag because that might be a bit of pressure on them. I don't think it's time to start putting Liverpool favourites and you know inflicting the pressure onto them because logically it is still Manchester City. But um, they're doing a good job. And again, we spoke about this way before Christmas, that 23rd of December game at Anfield. There's, it's coming up again. Those those Christmas fixtures are being repeated in a couple of weeks and it's Arsenal against Liverpool at the Emirates. Massive. Absolutely massive. I mean, you sort of want one of them to win it and then continue to be consistent because a draw sort of plays into City's hands as well. But that, they'll be doing that without Salah. So it's a massive
1: game that. Arsenal could actually be ahead of Liverpool if they win that game. Do you not just, for some reason, it just feels like Liverpool are clear favourites to that game against Arsenal? Um, Funnily enough, we did, uh, I was recording win, lose or draw with Ben today,
0: uh, Ben Foster, and we had to do a double game week because it's FA Cup. So we went through to that game and uh, I will give a spoiler. I I predicted a Liverpool win. He went with a, I think he went with a draw, but uh, uh, without being Michael Owen, I think any result in that game is predictable. Like, it could be a draw, it could be an Arsenal win, it could be a Liverpool win. And I know that's the same with any game, but you, I think people know what I mean. It's like, yeah, I think um, it, a lot will depend on who's fit and available for each club.
1: Yeah, it's exciting though. And then going into March, you got that game with Liverpool versus Manchester City. And then hopefully Liverpool have been sort of putting in the performances where that is a of top two battle heavyweight yeah. clash. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to do Pratt of the Week because I'm very
0: excited about this because I haven't looked at what your contenders are. But just very, very quickly, just wanted to bring in um, VAR at this point. And uh, I'm sure we can talk the financial fair play stuff as well. But um, just on this, really important, actually, a um, bit, of, bit of feedback from the community who support this podcast. Thanks, everyone who does. We're live. Uh, we're not live. We do it on a Tuesday and a Friday. Lots more to come. We're very excited about all of that. But if you could, and you've got the time to leave us a comment on Spotify, could you just tell us what your thoughts are on the Tuesday Friday podcast and how you consume it? You know, when you get to Friday, have you what listened to all of Tuesday? Do you want Friday to be, you know, 40 minutes or would you prefer 20 minutes? The Tuesday one's always going to be touching on an hour and the longer one, but the Friday one was always for us to be a bit more of a, you know, gold bridge and a bit more topical. But uh, just give us that feedback on what your thoughts are because uh, I was speaking to somebody down the pub on Friday and they said, I really like the podcast, Will, but I do struggle to listen to both in the entirety because you know it's two hours of my week uh I said well you know yeah ditch to so pull bath. yourself together man are you Stop a having a Do you have a shower every day get rid of that you know find find the yeah. extra time to watch it but um so- yeah var very very quickly um I'm just gonna say I'm as angry as I was in August will um the big headline for me is I don't really want to delve into why Cliver didn't get sent off for that studs tackle uh, on Liverpool or why it wasn't a foul on Henderson, or you know what? Why it wasn't a handball from Danny Ings' shot on goal? I think we can we can get into the finite detail like we have done for weeks and weeks and weeks. My big problem at the moment is, and also, what did you think about the Tony thing, where he's moved the free kick? Where do you put the blame on that?
1: Well, I was going to bring it up on Pratt of the week, but like I, I put down Nottingham Forest Pratt of the week for writing to the PGMOL because like you've just got to deal with that better. There's Matt Turner's going back and forth with the ball. Okay, moves it afterwards, but not to be concentrating and not to be aware of that movement yeah. afterwards. I think more is on the club and more on the players where they're just going, shit, we've done bad. But look over there, we're writing to the, to the referees to say how bad the job they're doing.
0: Interesting. Um, but look, in general, my feeling on the VAR and everyone else listening uh, has to say, I'm coming back on that, on proud of the week, so don't worry about that. But I feel that... Um, It's just very disappointing. I'm I'm very, very disappointed. I think we've got a fantastic division, a fantastic uh, quality of football. And I'm just confused as to what Howard Webb is actually presiding over. It's, It's very, very confusing. I think that the decision they made about James Trafford on not being fouled has had a direct impact on the Premier League. You know, Ben White and Arsenal quite rightly, you know, getting around Henderson, using their back because they know that they can do that now. A goalkeeper running out to punch the ball and getting elbowed himself and it's a penalty. They've made the goalkeeper's lives very difficult halfway through the season. And then the red card tackles now that you that are not being given. Gusto last week, Kluivert this week. My big frustration is, and I'll argue this with anybody, is that whether you think it's a red card, whether you think it's a penalty, whether you think it's a foul, you, you cannot argue with the fact that halfway through the season, Howard Webb and the PGMOL have allowed the rules to change if when the back pass rule was brought in it wasn't brought in in January it was brought in at the start of the season so everybody gets told about it in the summer we're now giving fouls we're now not giving fouls on goalkeepers we're now not giving red cards for red cards that were given at the start of the season the handball rule's still a joke i just think that it's been this will be the season where hopefully mm. next season it will change but it's it's just it's a farce it's a running farce and look we can we can have opinion on this will and i know you want to have one but You cannot tell me that these red cards that are not red cards anymore weren't red cards before Christmas. You can't do that. can't do that. You can't change the rule. It's
1: all wrong because of VAR. It was bought in and we know now it's not a perfect system, but we're still measuring these things as like every decision is not going to be the same. And there's some glaringly obvious ones at the top level of that, which we can, you know, debate until the the cows come home. But these ones at the weekend and stuff, I just think that, you know, they get bought up more because there's this sense and feeling that VAR was bought in to make every decision correct 100%. And it's not well, it been should bought be. in for that. Well, why but why isn't can't? it? It's, it's too subjective, though, some of the decisions. Every decision in terms of a foul, a handball, and they're always going to be subjective decisions. To a you point. know what, though? It's not, a, you know, you make a good point, but...
0: That's not the way to run VAR because you're right. What what they're doing is they see a decision on the pitch and they go whether it's is that you know if you if you see that Cliver and you, if you're the referee yesterday and you go not a red card and then as a VAI guy I look at it and go well he's not clearly and obviously got it wrong so let's play on that that's the wrong way to run VAR. What I should do as VAR is say yeah you've not given it on the pitch in real time I understand that but come and have a look at it on the screen. The reason I think you should have got to give a red card is because Curtis Jones got this, Basuma got this, um, Gusto got it last, you know, in autumn as well. We've got to be con- consistent. Um, the, 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 these are European spots up for grabs. These are titles. This is relegation. Mm-hmm. We can't be running a system on, well, we'll only overturn it if it's clear and obvious because it's way too subjective then. Because one referee thinks it is a red. Next week he thinks it isn't. The way for VAR to work is to have a consistency. This is a red card tackle. This is a handball. That is a foul. And what they don't do that. They don't do that. And yeah. and it, it, it's that's why the game. The game. We agree switch VAR off
1: because it's not working. Yeah.
0: yeah and it's I not going to work it, until they change.
1: Yeah, I agree with the point of like the, the subjective decisions, which you know I've mentioned previously. They should just be taken out of VAR, and the only thing that should be bought in is the UEFA-style offside thing. Everything mm. else, because what you're doing is you're having a subjective chat with someone who's got one opinion and someone who's have in another opinion. It's not like they go into Stockley Park where he's going through the rule book and he's going, yes, two point there. Implement that. He's going, well, I think this. So it's not black and white on both sides then. So you're just having a, what you're essentially having is a debate. You're having a podcast with one another when you go into the VR screen. So I just think eliminate those, offside, done. Thank you very much. Shake your hand. Um, Mark, if it's all right for you, I'd like to hear from our halftime sponsors.
0: What what irritates me is that you see the Cliver tackle um, at halftime shown again on Sky. Jamie Redknapp's going there. Yeah, that's not a red card for me. And you feel like grabbing his bloody trainers that he's got a sponsorship deal and ramming them down his stupid throat because Jamie, <laughs> two <laughs> months ago when you saw the Basuma one, you would have been going, "It's a red." And there's no difference. And that—that's what frustrates people is that we already know it's a red card for Clive at yesterday because we've seen them given. You can't have this subjectivity. You can't have it. Uh, anyway, um, just, we're getting um... pumped. We're getting pumped up here. I think it's time to do proud of the Week in it.
1: So, uh, yeah, and I, I'd just like to say a big thanks to our brand new sponsor, Skechers, who uh, are going to be bringing us Jamie Redknapp on the podcast next week. He uh, wouldn't dare. Until then... He wouldn't dare. He would. He bloody would. You're a prat, he's a prat, she's a prat, they're whiny. Now it's time for Pratt of the Week. One, two, three.
0: The only thing good about Jamie Redknapp was the one he married from old... Uh, what were they called?
1: Jamie Redknapp, lovely bloke, met him a few eternal, cars, absolutely e- salted the oil, so I'm not going to have any Rednap slander on this podcast. Louise
0: from Eternal, and she, and he got rid of her. It shows you what his decision making is like. <laughs> okay, you don't know what you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Anyway, Pratt of the I'll week, the Jamie Rednap's yeah. Pratt of the week for, for for breaking up with Louise from Eternal. That's my
1: that's my thing. We should, you know, Pratt well, I mean, of the would... week would. I was going to say, you were giving me community notes on uh, wrestling. Uh, Louise Redknapp was a famous singer in Eternal in the 90s. Uh, she was somewhat for uh, a pin-up, would you say, Mark, for the, for oh, the younger yeah. listeners? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, definitely, yeah.
0: Ste- but, All right, um, steady on there. We should do that sort of thing in Pride of the Week every now and again. You know, ex-footballers or pundits who make stupid decisions that are not football-related. Um, yeah, Jamie Redknapp breaking up yeah. with Louise. If you want to come on the show, Jamie, and tell us that she, you know, she didn't used to flush the toilet or something like that, then th- th- there's always two sides. You, you know, she left, she left a turd in the toilet, and you know, you had to go in there and I hate that. You know, hate that. Uh, that you, you don't want to know your I partner's out how- a crap. You don't want to know your partner I, I, has a
1: crap. I wonder how many craps it would take to break the cra- camel's back, destroy the breaks. You know what I mean? Like, what was it yeah. like the fifth turd someone again. would do? You'd be like, this one's poking out the water. You sick fuck um that's right. the, this is the third the time weed.
0: this week and you've had sweet corn that's it i'm on the phone to my lawyer right now get out i don't care what you like in bed the um, positives right. don't
1: outweigh the negatives So this stinks <laughs> <laughs> right do you want to start with your nomination
0: yeah, so VAR related. I just wanted to jump in. I don't think I don't think we've had him as a contender. A lot of people think I don't like this person. I, I, we know he doesn't like me, but realistically, I could have had a vendetta all season. I don't think he's been in. You know, maybe people in the chat will remind us. But uh, Gary Neville yeah, is my. Has.
1: Yeah, has he been in before? Yeah, the not start in 20 of season. He was not yeah. at
0: 2024 though. It's his first one yeah,
1: of 2024. Really in really
0: flipping January, but. I've got Gary Neville in there because, and and Will's probably going to disagree with this, but uh, he basically put a tweet out saying that uh, referees have it really hard. It's a very stressful job. And, uh, you know, Nottingham Forest sending an email about it. um, You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. And then a Twitter account quote tweeted him with a Gary Neville tweet where he's on Twitter Sending an email to Aviva Trains because it's late. And I just thought, you've just been absolutely buried there. So I thought, in a funny way, he was a bit of a prat um, because he was saying that basically Nottingham Forest shouldn't be complaining with emails. Just get on with it. And there's Gary Neville with a tweet from a few months ago sending an email or sending a tweet complaining about a train. But also, double prat because I'm sorry. Let Look, nurses have it hard. The police have it hard. The army has it hard. Care workers have it hard. I don't think referees have it hard at all. I really don't. I mean, you look at the Ivan Tony free kick. You're quite right. The goalkeeper should do his wall better. I don't think Tony's done anything wrong there. At the end of the day, if I pop in the kitchen and the biscuit tin's there and I know it's dinner in five minutes and the wife's, you know, got the attention on letting the dog out the back garden and I take a biscuit, she turns around and catches me I've tried. If I get away with it, I get away with it. And I think with with Tony, he's tried it. He's got away with it. He's even moved the phone. But the big thing for me is you can blame Turner. You can blame the Forest defence. You can send your email. But I think the email is right because where I'm confused here, and maybe someone in the chat will know, maybe you know, will know, Will, I presume it's illegal to move the ball on a free kick. Yeah. So when, he moved it
1: out he moved the foam, didn't he
0: yeah I presume what Tony did was illegal wasn't it in the game yeah in the, in, yeah okay so my point is this every time a goal goes in var will spend the next two minutes trying to find out if somebody farted you know uh, somebody's you know uh, was there was their pube offside Etc they'll analyze everything but when Tony scores a free kick not one Pratt on var has gone He's moved the ball, mate. He's moved the ball. And that, to me, is absolutely incredible. So I think Nottingham Forest or any club is right to send an email to VAR and say, or PJ and say, look, the referee on the pitch is a busy guy. There's a lot going on. But how is it when VAR analyse a goal, don't see Tony move it and tell the referee? I, I actually think they did see it, Will. I think they've just decided, don't matter.
1: Yeah, but I, th- I think for me, the thing was like, right, but... What, why does this come out as well? Like, why are we aware that Nottingham Forest are writing these emails because they want to sort of put this pressure on over here, try and take away from the defeat, try and take away from the defensive mistakes that should have stopped that goal in the first place? I just don't if I was a Forest fan, I
0: if I was a Forest fan, I would want to know that my club had sent an email. It makes you feel. It makes. It's like when Arteta and Arsenal put that statement out. You want to know that your club is publicly highlighting it and. It's disgusting. You know, he's moved the ball. I've got no problem with Tony, but what excuse is there for these little geeks in VAR who analyse everything, crunch the angles and everything, and they don't see somebody look move the ball? Of course they bloody saw it. And if they didn't see it, why? And I think I'd put in that email, why have they not seen that ball moving? Were they looking on a funny, a funny clip on TikTok? Were they on what, looking at porn What were they doing Let's check the You know, you know what they? we need You know what we need We need VAR and VAR We need cameras yeah. On the VAR operators When they're looking at stuff To
1: see what they're doing That's what we need We need VAR and VAR You need the lad who was You remember when all the audio Came out of, from the Spurs Liverpool game And it was a, like There was a chain of command Of like the referee The senior guy The other guy And the only one that actually Was being attentive Was that sort of Second assistant who was like oh, Guys Um why have you given the gun? Like they should be promoted to head of referee and given yeah, the Yeah, they didn't want to, to listen to him, because... did they? No, we're not yeah, doing
0: yeah. that. Yeah. so uh, that yeah, be, so yeah, so Gary Neville's my Gary Neville's my contender because one he got contradicted about sending Ebb complaints and two um yeah, I can't remember what the second you, thing was.
1: Two you hate him.
0: No, I don't. No, there just was, was yeah, the complaint <laughs> and then the fact that yeah, I forgot. I said it. People will remember. Uh, and then my second contender was Ooh. collective for anybody last week who did a video or a tweet or mentioned it on the mainstream. So that's collective. You could be a fan thinking it. You could be a YouTuber doing a video on it, doing a tweet on it, or in the mainstream. I heard it a few times last week. Let's get Jose back at Chelsea. And I just think there's football knowledge and there's speaking out your ass Like, I love Jose Mourinho. I believe he's got a documentary coming out soon. He's box office. But he's finished in the Premier League. And if anybody thinks he's going to take Potter's job or anybody else's job and do well, they're a Pratt. I'm sorry. He is done. If you, you use the eye test, Mourinho lost his job at Chelsea, lost his job at Man United, lost his job at Spurs, his football. Doesn't suit the Premier League anymore. It's too quick. It's too tactical. It's too it's too much about pressing, etc. Mourinho needs to go and take an international job. And I'd like him to be the England manager. But if you think if you're thinking about getting Mourinho back to Chelsea, God, don't go on Facebook.
1: You want You'll have... Mourinho to be the next England manager? Yeah. What? And you think Gareth Southgate's too defensive? Come
0: on, he, Mourinho oh, would suit international football. No, international football yeah. is slow and boring. We all know that, and he'd be perfect for that. You are. But like, yeah, if, if you want ridiculous. Mourinho, but if you want Mourinho back at Chelsea, just stay off Facebook because you're exactly the sort of person that, when you're bored, you pop on Facebook, you see someone you knew at school 20 years ago, they slide into your messages and go, "Let's meet for a beer," and then you turn up and you realise your mistake. They don't look like they did 20 the, years ago. Uh,
1: not the Ricky Gervais one when the fuck when, oh, fucking hell.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're making a big mistake if you want Mourinho back at Chelsea. So that's my two contenders for Pratt of the week, Will. What have you got?
1: I got two. Number one for me, Rian Brewster, for coming on substitute, putting a fucking stupid challenge in. That was a good tackle, card. that was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, VAR, I'm, I'm VAR, joking, VAR, it was disgusting, wasn't it? That, that was a two-footer. And then the second one, um, I've actually got a bit of audio to play. Uh, if, you, if you're fed up of it, just let me know. But um, this was my second contender of the week.
0: Will's in the chat. I'm just thinking if he's there for a smug reason. And Goldbridge saves football. Did he have Jota? Don't do that to me. If he had Jota on Goldbridge, I'm quitting. He fucking did. I knew it. He bloody knew it. How many goals has Jota scored? Two. Fuck a duck. Well, he had Nunez as well. That was a mistake. Nunez hasn't scored. Oh, Nunez just fucking scored. Fuck off. I can't believe it. He's got three points from one bloody game. He's got two goals for Jota and three and one for Nunez. And he's got Alisson in goal. That's a clean sheet. Four. Four points from one game. No, Nunez has got two. Nunez has got two. Oh, come on. He's got five points from one game. The scammy, jammy, Birmingham supporting Pratt. I can understand why uh, I'm so... I can understand why I'm so popular. That's me talking, and I'm but, like, you know what? He's very entertaining.
1: The first twenty seconds of that, when I was just watching your face, it was like you'd seen like a, a dead relative come back, and like surprise, surprise, you were just you were very shocked. But but you know uh, what? I was, it's context, because gone.
0: It's because on Saturday night I was giving it the big one. I was going, ah, Rayo clean sheet. Yeah, Martinelli's t- <laughs> got two. I was like, Tony got one. I was like, four, and then you go and get five in one game. So yeah, that's for Friday anyway. It, it, absolutely. Um, Go on absolutely what?
1: No, I was just saying it's absolutely brilliant. Just turning in you, like, what does he want? And then just you doing the calculations in your brain was just absolutely joyous to watch. I might have to be Pratt of the Week for that, you know. Yeah, do you want me to lock that in?
0: Neville, Neville should be happy. I'm, I I could pick Neville as Pratt of the Week. I <laughs> should cry um, for
1: that. Neville,
0: Neville, I could put Gary Neville as Pratt of the Week and um, Gary. It's me. I'm Pratt of the Week.
1: It's me. Hi. I'm the Pratt. It's me. You're a Pratt. He's a Pratt. She's a Pratt. They're whiny. Now it's time for Pratt of the Week. One, two, three.
0: I tell you what, talk about my watch Um, I found a brilliant website. I was talking to people about this the other day. Nothing to do with porn. Basically, there's this website forum where cabin crew from planes basically have it's brilliant it's what I, I i literally looked at it the other day my mate sent, sent me the link and uh i was on it for it was you know the cold day last week the cold days last week it was like an afternoon i had a cup of tea i'd never normally ever sit down in the living room the fire was on i found i got sent this link and then for the next hour i was just reading page after page and basically it's cabin crew who work on airplanes all around the world telling about talking about celebrities who's nice and who's not and uh she's dead oh, really? so yeah, she's dead, so we can we can really stick the knife in. Scylla um, Black, she gets pelters, absolute pelters.
1: Really, I, I just, heard I, she's a bit of a bit of a, she's yeah. dead
0: now, but yeah, it's, they they just absolute like she turns up considering there's pages and pages, every fourth one, yeah, bitch, one one cabin crew, yeah, she should be shot. Worst worst person I've ever met. I was like, oh, my God. It's, uh, Gary Neville gets a couple of mentions. I'm not going to say what was said, but uh, I'm only it's halfway through me. it. It's lovely. No, no. The the, the thing is, it's like, the, I think no one really posts on it now. Like, there's a couple from 2018, oh, right. but they're all, like, 2005 to 2012. So, Neville would oh, have been playing class. then. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Um, anyway, um, we've got uh, competition to do, but... We sometimes do either-ors. I don't know. Have you got any either-ors?
1: Well, what do you want to go to next? We still haven't had the FFP chat. We've got a few either-ors. Oh, there's a bit of soup chat, but I can save that to the end. I know you wanted to get a bit off your chest about FFP killing the Uh, window.
0: All I was going to say about FFP is that I do think it's destroyed the transfer window this year, especially because I was speaking to Fabrizio Romano today on the United stand and he said it's going to, specifically in relation to the Premier League, it is going to hot up in the last few days. but. I know Chelsea really dictated the transfer window last year and if you take Chelsea out of the equation then did anything else really happen last year and I know there's talk of Trippier and Almiron to go to um Saudi Arabia and buy Munich respectively but I think I think financial fair play's got teeth will it has you know Newcastle have got more money than anyone else but they can't get the money in they've got to sell to buy it's it's really interesting I think and uh you know we've mentioned Arsenal about a striker I, I think I expected Villa, maybe. I expected more teams to do business in January because you look at the league table and you think, that could be the difference between winning a league, getting top four. But I think because of what's happened to Everton and Forest, clubs are really actually shitting themselves and going, we've got to be really careful about financial fair play here. And I think it's had a huge impact on the January transfer window.
1: It does. Um, and I think it's being implemented correctly, but with the backdrop of... 20 years of Chelsea, Roman Abramovich, then what we're having with Manchester City. We're in this weird middle ground now of where teams have the money to spend, like Newcastle can't spend it, which mm. is then almost in turn benefit in Manchester City because those rules have not been implemented before. So yeah. if you want to be a title contender, and we spoke about Spurs and Lent on Friday of how this could really benefit them because of the stadium and all the costs and all the profit they're turning over, they've run properly. So hopefully... It works well, but at the moment, I just think it's going to stunt the growth of some teams that have the money to spend and can't spend it.
0: It's massively problematic. Um, forget the one one five charges for Man City. Regardless of whether they did something wrong or not, they are in a massively beneficial situation because they've had 15 years of things that they wouldn't be able to do now based on their size yeah. when it started. Uh, we all expected Newcastle to replicate it. They can't. They can't do it. They're really restricted. They, you know, they've got. There's, it's like having. It's like a, it's like it's like being a criminal when you've robbed a bank and you've got fifteen million in your garage, but you can't legitimately get it into a bank because people are going to go, "Where did that come from? Where did that come from?" And that's what criminals have a problem with laundering money. And Newcastle have got that problem. I'm not saying they're criminals, but they've got all this money from Saudi, but they can't legitimately get it into Newcastle because FPL is going to FP are going to go, but you don't make that revenue. So you, you can't throw that money into the club to spend on transfers. You can you can spend it on a stadium. You can spend it on your infrastructure, but they need to get it into their playing squad. So I agree with you. Well, I think it's good, but it's massively beneficial to the Man Cities of this world who haven't had that for 15 years and are now a club that's got huge revenue, huge success. So they're now legitimately making money, which
1: makes them even more powerful. And also, as well, just for me to get my sort of two penny thing, like it also ties into. I know it's a separate structure, but like the parachute payments in the championship, of mm-hmm. like you look at Leicester City. Well, this it's always been a problem, hasn't it? Yeah. And it just ties into that of like, so if that tightens up, hopefully that can lead to that. But one I wanted to ask you because we haven't actually spoken in the virtual flesh. Obviously, the new guy being announced from Manchester City to Manchester United, mm-hmm. Ivan. There'll be fans of this so around United Stand fans. Is this? Tying into like problems coming for Manchester City? Is he jumping ship early? Are you happy with it? What's the What's the 101?
0: Well, I don't. Omar Barada, he's a chief operating officer at Man City, which is one below the CEO. He's now going to be the CEO at Man United. Uh, apparently, a lot of Premier League clubs approached him last summer. Even NFL franchises approached him. So he's very, very good at what he does. Wow. He, re- he rejected them. He's taken the United job. I reacted to it with a quick video on Saturday night. I mean, it made me laugh the amount of other content creators and mainstream who spent an hour or two screaming about somebody they didn't know 10 minutes before. I just did a quick five minutes and I said, look, I'm going to have to do some research on it, but you know, it does worry me that he's been at Man City for 10 years and all the stuff that's going on with Man City. So do we now want City to get found not guilty? So our CEO doesn't get found guilty, but the times came out with an article saying that he's not implicated in anything that City could get done with. So that's a positive. Um, And, you know, I think from everybody I've spoken to, I spoke to Fabrizio on the United Stand, he said, look, this is a really exciting appointment. He's he's one of the best in the business, in football, and obviously his Premier League experience. So, yeah. But look, it's going to be a, it's a long-term project. You know, the long, even he said himself when he was at Man City, it was a long-term project to, to enjoy the success they've got now. It's all about top-to-bottom um, pathways and uh, visions and, that, that, that's going to take time but it's a, you know you can't knock a good appointment I think it's a good good appointment for Man United considering who we've had as CEOs for the last 10 years
1: Yeah 100% um, Right I think we'll save the either ors for the Friday episode because it's a bit of a FA Cup week so we might need those uh, Just do a bit of housekeeping Spotify comments a poll went up last Friday Who is the better presenter? Michael Owen Bradley Walsh's son or me? Thank you to the 64.9% who voted me the other Four or 500 people that voted over don't bother listening again Gladiators uh, is good though Gladiators is yet? good Gladiators I watched the first episode I've got to watch the second episode Seb tonight, loves it so don't spoil absolutely it. Loves it does it?
0: Yeah, he lo- yeah absolutely loves it and it's great because I used to love it when I was a kid so uh, yeah I, I like the way they. I like the way they replicate it I think Klattenberg sounds to me like he's going to force a shit out every time he goes ready he's really struggling with that you know I've, I've met him in real life at the charity game and that's not. He doesn't. That's not his voice. He's, he's a lot more quieter than that. When you have be a chat with him, you performing to an arena, aren't you? I know, but you know what? He's going to give himself a bloody. He'll be having piles if he's not careful. He's, he's really forcing it out, and he has to do that probably about ten times a show.
1: Yeah. I think it's a bit uh, over the top to have the other referees in there, but like, we can do that as an either-or for another day. Um, can we just lot, do one either-or?
0: Can we do one either-or? Because I think on. this is a great right, one, on. and it will be nice to put it up as a clip through the week as well. Um, Terry or Vidic,
1: where would you go? Then you can ask uh, me. Where? <laughs> and that would be the clip. Um, no. I think, think it will be, for me... I think it would be Nemanja. Sorry, I would prefer John Terry, and that's because I didn't. I would probably watch more of John Terry than I did Nemanja Vidic. Probably a bit of English bias, if I'm being honest. With and you, I just yeah. think as an oh. With <laughs> I just think overall he was the the leader of the two. Where I think Vidic and Ferdinand were more of a partnership, whereas Terry was always the sort of the Virgil van Dyke of like Gary Cahill next to him, Carvalho next to him. That's why I would choose John Terry.
0: You're wrong. Um, I think that Carvalho and Terry were a brilliant partnership and I would put them in the top probably three Premier League partnerships. I think they were brilliant. Um, that's how good I think they were. Look, I leave what they're like off the pitch at the door. There's Man United players I know off the pitch who are legends on the pitch. So I'm not, I'm not here to uh, character assassinate John Terry. As a player, I really like John Terry. Um, I think sometimes you know a player's good when a rival fan gives him a shout-out. And I think John Terry, you're right, as a leader, goal scorer, dominant, read the game really, really well. Not the quickest, but you'd you'd want him in your team. So John Terry, fantastic player. But obviously, I'm going to go with Vidic because I think there's a bit of misunderstanding about Vidic. I mean, you had Pratyag Agbonglahor last week saying that he's overrated. I mean, mate, if he's overrated as a pundit, you're not even, you know. I'm just going to be nice and say I don't know what you're doing on the. I don't know what you're doing on the radio because you haven't got a bloody clue what you're talking about. Nemanja Vidic and Terry are quite interestingly similar, but I think the reason I go with Vidic is he was the captain of Manchester United, um, and yeah, people draw attention to that game with Torres where he had a bad game, he had a torrid time against Torres, but multiple Premier League winner, Champions League winner. I've never seen a centre back so good in the air. I mean, he'd put his head in a fire. He was absolutely not scared. He had a forehead titanium. He he was absolutely in. You know, you look at United now and how we can't defend crosses. Vidic, we'd be top of the league just because we wouldn't concede from crosses. What I would say about Terry and I'd say about Vidic is, we do. I I'm not really interested in people who are under twenty because they won't have seen these players and you can't learn about a player on a YouTube clip. You know, you've got to go and watch week in, week out. Rio, Ferdinand, suits the modern game better than Terry and Vidic because he could play out from the back. But Terry and Vidic of their era are better than Rio because they're proper centre-backs and leaders. Um, So I would go Vidic, but they're both very, very good.
1: be a great partnership,
0: wouldn't it? it? Of its time, I don't think it would be now. I think you'd want a vid, you'd- you know what? One of those with Rio or, or, or Van Dyke next to them, which is what Vidic had,
1: perfect, yeah. I don't know whether they'd both work together. That's what the correct answer is, John Terry. Um, yeah, moving on, obviously, we finished Friday's episode with a lot of chat about soup, which really got the audience sort of um, their taste buds tingling, if you will. Um, mm. One lad popped in, said his favourite soup's a French onion soup with cheesy garlic bread. Is that a bit too much for you? Is that a bit of a novelty?
0: I like French onion soup. I haven't had it as much as I would like, but uh, cheese, garlic, bread. I I could do that. I could do that in the right frame of mind. It sounds good, yeah.
1: Bit of a fad here. Uh, CPT coming in with butternut squash soup with chilli and creme fraiche. Bit too much for me there. But Dylan Jenkins coming in with what he describes as the goat of comfort soup is the new Covent Garden and Co... Bacon and lentil soup with a bit of tiger bread on the side.
0: Oh, that sounds like a winner. That does. I do like the sound of, uh, I do like a soup with a bit of creme fraiche and chilli on it with the butternut squash. That sounds really good. But uh, I can't tell you what, that bacon and lentil, I'm going to I'm gonna be down Sainsbury's looking at that and uh, with the tiger bread under my arm. That sounds good to me, Will.
1: Yeah, lovely stuff. Speaking of things that sound good, you want to go into the quiz? Uh, have you got something to say?
0: Well, I do. I was just going to think, you know, if people <laughs> like this sort of conversation, we can add it in. Um, what's your favourite packet of posh crisps? You know, when you treat uh, yourself great to the big question. bag.
1: Yeah, can't. I mean, we've talked about doing live stream stuff in the future, and to be fair, we should just do three, four hours on this. uh Crisps always was a sensation, man. Um, sweet chili I feel for. No, not sweet chili. The balsamic vinegar uh, and onion and, ones. I think. Oh
0: uh, yeah.
1: Oh oh yeah. Yeah.
0: They, they are very good. Yeah yeah. Um, But I tried these
1: ones. Go on. Sorry, just I'm very passionate about this. I think along the way, they've lost their way. And I do think um, pound for pound, flesh for flesh, not that there's any flesh on them. Kettle chips, the cheese and onion version of them pack an almighty punch.
0: Yeah, yeah, they do. I don't know whether the class is posh crisps, but I always liked the McCoys uh, steak and onion. Yeah, they were very good. Molten, I don't know what they do them in a big molten, bag. Salt and, and I'm not I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not opposed to those pop crisps as well. You know the ones the pop the round yeah, things. The they're barbecue nice. variations. Yeah, they're good as well. Uh get let us know what your favorite posh crisps are. Um don't come in with Sainsbury's own Redly salted or anything like that or whatever. But uh yeah, it's time for guess who I'm 6 3 ahead. Uh I feel like any, I've got easy on you this week, Will. I'm going to let you go first because I reckon you could get this well I'm not going to say that because it's not fair it puts too much pressure on but at 6 three I think you need to start getting back into the game um we're, we're uh, by the way it's it's for goldbridge we're working on a forfeit isn't it if that forfeit can be done yeah, yeah. it's going to be absolutely hilarious yeah we need I to think, just get I think confirmation.
1: Be good. I think it's achievable yeah yeah this um... is
0: this is this is viral video nonsense stuff it would be humili. Yeah. if i if i lose that i'll be so humiliated even though it sounds not bad it really is humiliating but uh you'll have to keep an eye as soon as we've got it confirmed we'll tell you what the forfeit is but uh trust me you could be there to watch it it would be yeah don't don't be there if it's me if will's there we're having a party i'll buy the tickets yeah. um <laughs> right um okay you're ready to go clue one guess who yeah uh well. i'm i'm french
1: Oh, I thought, I'm 20. You fucking love
0: this. I'm French. I'm 26. I've got no French caps, but I have played in the Premier League.
1: Oh my God. That's it. I mean, that's to be fair, it's a first clue. You, you've you dealt out some great ones. So, you're French 26, and I play no French caps, but I play in the Premier League.
0: You've played in the Premier League, yeah.
1: Played in the Premier League. Okay. Yeah. 10. Can't think of anyone French who's 26. So, I'll just go for, uh, I can't think of anyone French. Um, uh, Macron. Cam- T- Camavinga.
0: Camavinga. Not played in the Premier League. Not 26. And he's got French caps. And he's got French caps. Uh, clue two. I moved from Nice to Newcastle In 2019, I played 111 111 games for Newcastle and I scored 12 goals. So, I'm French, I've got no French caps, I'm 26 and I played for Newcastle having moved there from Nice with 12 goals and 111 appearances.
1: Oh, God. French, 26 now? Uh... How many goals, sorry?
0: Uh, 12 goals in 111 games.
1: Uh, 12 goals in 111 games. Someone in the midfield then. Oh, I can't think. The only person I've got in my head who's not this is because he's retired now is Yohan Kabay.
0: There we go. No. But that was yeah Um ago. Clue three. I currently play in the Saudi league.
1: Oh, my fucking head's gone all over the place.
0: So, 26... No French caps, but I am French. Nice to Newcastle, 2019. 12 goals in 111 games. Moved to the Saudi League last summer. From Newcastle.
1: Nice to Newcastle. Oh, I can't think, Mark. Uh, Fucking Gabriel Obertan. Clue four. I'm a winger with a lot of tricks. Oh, bollocks! Allen's at maximum. Yeah. So, so, you know what? It's one of those, good if clues, you know it, you know clues, it. If
0: you know it, you know it. If you don't, you don't. Okay, so you got it on clue four. I've got a good run here, but... Uh, go on, then. Clue one.
1: Yeah. Clue number one. Um, I was born in Denmark in 1976 and went on to play 66 times for my country and scored five goals between 1998 and 2006. Brian Laudrup. No, incorrect. Very oh. confident one. Um, I played for Real Madrid and played for them 34 times, scoring one goal.
0: Mm. Michael Laudrup.
1: No, incorrect. Mm. No loudrups are involved in this. <laughs> well, that's my last
0: Laudrup anyway.
1: <laughs> um, where else was I going? I... Um, Manager uh, uh, Where am I going next? Sorry. Um clubs that also have played for are Celtic, Everton, Hamburg, and Vielsch World Club. Ooh, I tell you what.
0: I'm really struggling on this, and I don't know why. Clue three is played for Hamburg, Celtic. It's Danish. And I am struggling. I can't. I, I know I'm going to really annoy myself because it's my era that I should know this. 88 to 2006. He played for Denmark, and he's played for 1998. Celtic. 1998. Sorry, 1998 to 2006. Oh, I'm thinking about the wrong era. Um. Okay. Uh. He's Danish. Played for Celtic and Everton. Gravison.
1: Correct. Hey, uh, there we go. Seven three, okay. mate. <sighs> Just lose my head. I put so much pressure on myself. As soon as you, as soon as you say, you know the key words that make me melt. Uh, you start the quiz and you go. French. Clue one. French. I'm French. I just fucking melt. I might as well be an onion soup pal because I'm. You know what you need to do? Place do some homework.
0: Do some homework. In French onion soup. Yeah. Um, the clue was there. French onion soup and garlic bread. I thought, oh my god, there's a clue there. Yeah. Uh, it's French. But um, no, look, uh, I'm quite happy with that, Gravison. One to get it on clue three, and um, it's seven three. I feel like you need to go away, have a, have a bit of relaxation. Maybe get a bit of therapy because uh, you're you're a bit like Newcastle in that title race with the 12-point lead. You're just dropping points all over the place, and uh, United here are just experienced and calm and take the time. And oh, 98. I was looking at 88. Everton. Yeah. Gravis and i wouldn't have had a clue about celtic but uh what a podcast really enjoyed that slightly longer today as well really enjoyed it lots for you to get your teeth into we asked you a few questions as well so don't forget to go and drop those onto the comments on spotify or whatever you're listening on and we'll have a poll up for you as well we are back on friday and we've got some exciting stuff for you on friday um so make sure you tune in for that oh and also if you won the christmas jumper don't worry will has reminded me and i have got it so we'll get that sent out to you oh you've got it I've got the jumper, yeah. Oh back.
1: Oh brilliant. That's all right then. Yeah.
0: Um there, There's no rush for it. It's okay, not like lovely. they're gonna get it in February and go, well hey, as long as they get it, it's a Christmas jumper though,
1: isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Um lovely. Uh we're we we're over an hour and I've not had a Birmingham City. You mentioned one, two, one away at Stoke, put five pounds on the and one hundred and ten pound backs. So that was a great weekend for me. And you could, what what were the, the odds to
0: win at Stoke then?
1: We were we weren't favourites. You can't get
0: 120 2 1 as from... well.
1: 2 1 and a. No, uh,
0: no 2 1. Got the result. Birmingham
1: to win and Jay Stansfield to score any time. Bloody hell. That's a, that's a hell of a. That's a. When the ball comes in. And uh, also, thank you for the lovely feedback on the Bruno and Joe Linton stuff. We have got some more interviews coming soon. Shooting one tomorrow, but won't spoil it just in case it doesn't happen, but it should be. And it's exciting.
0: And, and I've got one coming up soon. Uh, it's me and Scott McTominay caravanning in Wrexham. Um, yeah, we, it's going to be great. Um, he doesn't know about it yet, but I just said you know, said to his agency, it'll make great content. Um, let's yep. see if it happens. Who knows? Fingers crossed. I think he might do it. Uh, anyway, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, loved that podcast today. Uh, don't forget us to give us a follow, five stars, all that stuff. Still really important. Tell your friends. Tell your gran, we're quite popular with the uh, over-70s female demographic in the Swindon area, Mm. funnily enough. So uh, if you've got a gran in Swindon, let her know. She can be part of the ultras. Uh, Thank you very much. Don't show her to Will, though. He'll take her out for a
1: date. Raw Monday. Call it the magic roundabout, and uh, you'll be putting her head in a spin if you see her. So uh, get her involved, and we'll see you soon.